a digital interface, which you feel is requisite in order to maintain connection with your most mm -hmm. intimate partner. Now you run the paper another 20 years from now where these, where you're born into enhanced reality glasses, digital communication embedded into your brain in order to, to have seamless interfaces, what Elon Musk is. How much of you is human and how much of you is not? Oh yeah. That is Wade T. Lightheart. He's the host of the Awesome Health Podcast, a three-time all-natural national bodybuilding champion advisor to the American Anti-Cancer Institute and director of education at Bioptimizers. You may have remembered Bioptimizers as the creators of Magnesium Breakthrough. We did a podcast a little while back. You can go back to listen to that episode, which is number 315, entitled Building an Optimal Body from the Inside Out. And I wanted to have Wade back because he's a fascinating person. I mean, you can tell that th that little snippet from the beginning is that this was a really interesting conversation. And we start out going deep down the rabbit hole, chasing the white rabbit to talk about AI, transhumanism. We talk about the future of uh, galactic pioneership. Uh, really interesting way to start the show. But we, it, the theme that kind of comes out of this is the connection between the body and technology. What technology do we have to use and how does it work in tandem with our body? And later in the episode, we talk about a, an incredible product, which is called Leaky Gut Guardian. And this is a once a day or twice a day powder that you eat that protects your gut. We talk specifically about what, all, what is the process of healing leaky gut and how important gut health is to overall vitality, your immune system, your uh, ability to create serotonin, and uh, we dig deep into it. Uh, this is a really fascinating episode that, that has really kind of two parts. One is the transhumanist, futuristic view of, the, of uh, how humans will be in generations to come, and also how do we can take care of our body. And towards the end, we talk about the custom nootropic that wade has developed and it is fascinating stuff that you can go and take a test and develop a nootropic that's just for you that's specific to your neurotransmitters cutting edge stuff I'm so excited to release this episode to you if you have may have leaky gut if you have skin issues brain fog if you're overly stressed you know most of us have leaky gut and uh, you can go to leakygutguardian.com forward slash optimal performance to get 10% off. And it's a money back guarantee. So if you want to try something that will help your gut, and, and Wade tells me that sometimes people notice within a couple of hours or right away, most people experience a couple of days to a week a, an improvement in their symptoms from leaky gut. I mean, how could you go wrong with a money back guarantee? So again, go to leakygutguardian.com forward slash optimal performance and get 10% off. You might as well try it. As always, I just want to say thank you for continuing to listen to this podcast. It's my pleasure to bring it to you. And uh, you can find more about the work that I do at seanmccormick.com. We've got show archives. We've got discounts on biohacking gear, equipment, products at steep, steep discounts to help you live optimal. And this is the way to do it. So go to seanmccormick.com. Got tons of goodies in there. And you can also learn a little bit about how I approach my coaching. I get results for my clients and I've got, you know, tech CEOs, nine to fivers, uh, entrepreneurs, just about everybody 
I, I work with a, a really wide array of high-performing people. And so if you're interested in that, go ahead and check that out. And you can get in contact with me directly at Sean at SeanMcCormick.com. But I'm really excited to bring this episode to you because it is going to really make you think about the future, uh, your health, and how you can be optimal. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Wade Lightheart. Welcome everyone to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. Yeah, we got a lot of weird stuff going on right now So in the world. The world's gone totally weird. <laughs> and, it, and just when you think it's going to like turn a corner, it gets weirder. No, I, no, no, I, I have no, I have no, um, I, I'm a student of history. Uh huh. This goes way worse. You think so? You think we're 100%. I got to hear where you think this is going. I think the consequences of, of disobedience have to seem better than the consequences of obedience. And that means that people need to feel that their life livelihood are absolutely forfeit. That's what it happened in Soviet Union. That's what happened in Maoist revolution. That's what happened in Cambodia. I mean, this is a worldwide global takeover of, of, of communist digital. It's, it's a fusion between the communist um, methodology of China and the digital elite with the financial markets because all the hedge funds guys are dependent on the Chinese model of centralized location because that's how they've been funny money in it since the 70s when they exported under uh, Kissinger's plan to open up China and bring them into the democratic West. But mm -hmm. instead of that, they've gotten bed with centralized government through digital tyranny and implementing that control mechanism. So America is losing a war it doesn't know it's in. Yeah. Where, at what point, I mean, we've now seen, um, you know, walkouts at hospitals and fire departments. Um, is this the beginning of an awareness that I think so. I think yeah. so. I think there's, there, there's a, uh, there's a thing called a mass psychology event. It's a fascinating topic. And so 30% of the population is completely hypnotized with the narrative 40% go along with it. They're kind of unsure. So they just go with the most dominant one. And then 30% can see it. And um, the 30% that see it have to speak up against it everywhere they go in order to shatter the belief. And once the belief shattered, now that took, um, you know, uh, that took, uh, what, 60, 70 years in the Soviet Union. That didn't happen in China. Mm-hmm. Um, Nazi Germany flipped a little quicker because they were faced with absolute annihilation of the country. Otherwise, you know, mm -hmm. they had, they were invaded by two technically opposing forces who were aligned. That's what it took for them. Right. So basically, you know, the allies between the United, the, essentially the United States and the Soviet Union were on a race for the intellectual elite and their components. And most of NASA was ex-Nazi oh, yeah, yeah. supporters. Yeah. 
and the same over for the Sputnik program in the Soviet Union and, and God knows what else. Disney, EU. All that stuff. Yeah. And so, um, and people don't read history now, right? They, they don't remember what happened last week. Yeah. So we have a, we have a very low resolution uh, population who are frankly addicted to dopamine hits from a phone hmm. and are incapable of acting from a position of, 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 of what is what. They have no historical perspective of what they're advocating for, particularly the youth. Um, they're addicted to their phones. Um, they have a very low prospect of financial success and are upset about it. And there's good reason for that. And that's largely because of what happened in the seventies. And now the chickens have come home to roost. Hmm. Right. And, yeah. and so, so it's, 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 it's a very interesting world. And these people are moving to a transhumanist digital fusion of post humanism. They're, they're, they're looking post homo sapien. So, you know, I mean, I was on a, I was on a, I was on an AI um, virtual reality device a few weeks ago, where you enter into a, a three-dimensional universe, kind of like going into an avatar situation, just on a headset kind of thing. Yeah, there's an Oculus program, a program that you hook onto the Oculus. Yeah, open world. No, it was a, it was actually made for uh, a meditation psychedelic kind of experience. Uh huh. And um, what, what was the name of it? Because I just did an episode about it. Um, what was the name of that device? I've just Entheo Digital. No, but it was along that line. Okay. Slady's done one point six billion in exits, uh, gaming companies and stuff. And there's a point where I was almost a piece of anxiety came up as I immersed myself in the virtual world. Huh. I felt it and then boom, I'm there. And prior to that, I had a conversation with another woman who runs January AI, which is a blood sugar company. Mm -hmm. After four days of inputting your data, it can predict your blood sugar 33 hours in advance. Okay, Whoa. this is available to the general public, January AI. Whoa. And I asked her, I said, well, how do we know when the singularity happens? And she goes, we won't. <laughs> but, and, you know, she's, she's like deep on the inside. This, this woman's worked in government, economics, finance, philanthropy, and then she's back into in the private business. And so, you know, I trust her judgment. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm literally on this other one when, when I entered in this form. And I felt the shift. Like I felt when I shifted into the new world and I'm there. And then I'm like, okay, well, if you're born into this and, I, and, and like children are today, which they're interacting with their digital cells, they're, they're literally, they're, they're, their digital avatars bigger than, yeah. than, they're, what, what I feel like when I go on the computer world, that's how they feel, I believe, when they're in this world. Right. So 
So how much further till we get to this? And I'm like, okay, I can, I can do the math here. What is the real world? <laughs> it's trippy, man. Yeah. And so what I'm witnessing right now on mass is I'm witnessing how there is an inability of a large portion of the population to apply basic critical thinking to current world events. Either they don't have the attention span units to do it, or they've been hypnotized by false narratives, or it's so overwhelming, they're simply going into cognitive dissonance mm. because it shatters the worldview or their life view or their perception. And so they just disassociate from it because they don't, I don't know what it is. It's probably some distribution of all those things, but it's, it's easier for me to assess. I'm older. I grew up in a rural area. I didn't have digital equipment when I was a kid and I'm essentially an information distributor. Mm. And as soon as they monetized all the languages of the world, well, now we have outsourced thought to the highest bidder. Do you take much stock in the sort of quantification of, of people as basically like energy sources? Have you gone that down that rabbit hole? Well, that's the matrix conversation, right? Which is, hey, you know, humans are batteries. And that's a little bit of the old David Icke thing. Right. That there are extra dimensionary entities who feed off the energy of fear. Therefore, they drive this, which puts you into interdimensionary, which kind of correlates with certain like Jogan, um, Tibetan Book of the Dead stuff about the energy that you leave the body and determines where you what what Loki or what energetic realm you enter into. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I can't, I can't comment directly on that, um, obviously, because I'm still in this dimension as far as I can tell. I believe you are. And I have no evidence. I have no evidence either way to say, yes, that's true, or no, it's not. I'm objectively ignorant. What is interesting that almost all cultures historically speak of entities outside of our perceptive realm that infiltrate into this level of awareness and from a physics perspective that seems to make sense as are the is it energy in the form or the person we, we have a tense of of anthropomorphizing these kind of things and making this kind of things humanized mm -hmm. and that's part of the limitation of our own psychology there's there's so many inherent biases inside of our perception of the world that we can see the extensions of that into that which we can't see are even more robust and higher and, and much more likely to um be unprovable or fallacious so who knows yeah don't know the hardest, the hardest thing that I wrap my brain around, you know, with the uh, sort of transhumanist point and the idea that we don't, we won't know when it happens uh, is the, the fact that we are these biological and we, we have these meat suits, right. And, and 
we cannot upload our consciousness to a silicon based sort of technical piece of equipment. It's just, it's never going to be done. Now, our attention can tap into these virtual worlds. And to your point about kids now caring more about their online personas than their, you know, human counterparts in, in real life. But that, that seems to go against everything that, that I can see as possible that we somehow we are going to merge in such a way with technology that the biological parts of us are then integrated somehow into a digital interface. Like there will, it, it, I can't connect. I can never connect those dots. I don't, you know, leave, leave, leave your phone home for a couple of days. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Well, I cherish that. I mean, uh, no, no, but walk out of your house. Yeah. You're on the way to the restaurant, soccer game, run away, whatever. Drive out the door, driveway. Oh, lost my phone, left my phone. Do you go back and get it? I go back and get it. Why? So that my wife can call me if my kids. Right. Yeah. This is a relatively new phenomenon. Right. Human existence. So your perceptual identity is tied into a digital interface, which you feel is requisite in order to maintain connection with your most mm. intimate partner. Mm. Now you run the paper another 20 years from now mm. where these, where you're born into uh, enhanced reality glasses, digital communication embedded into your brain in order to, to have seamless interfaces, what Elon Musk is. Yeah. How much of you is human and how much of you is not? Hmm. Okay. What about if we now have an MRNA input into the human body, which alters us to a certain extent in our genetic expression, certainly with part of our nervous system and God knows what else we don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, are you already a transhuman? Hmm. Because oh, genetically yeah. you've been altered. Okay. So now let's go to a legal case. Does the Nuremberg code of 1948 of human rights apply to you anymore? Since you are not technically a human as defined in that time in 1948. Hmm. No. Okay, so now do we have to move to, in order to now that everybody's, you know, 70% of the population, whatever the population has been injected with this new genetic uh, experimentation and have already initiated mutation inside the species, what percentage of the species is mutated? How do you define that? Certainly in the legal languaging. And is that a, a Trojan horse to to provide rights to transhumanism because the people who still identify as humans and says, Oh, well, you're a transhuman. Well, we're going to give you the rights. We just need to extend it to transhumanist rights. Well, if I'm now Larry and Sergey over at Google and I'm completely, um, I, and I'm chipped into the mic, into, into the web to be a God man of that world. 
well, I have rights the same as every other human. And if I have superior cognitive capacity and aspects to economics and vitality, like, you know, the Lucy syndrome, if you will. Mm. Well, now what? Who's right? Mm. Right? And what part of me as a transhumanist has rights? Does that extend to Google itself? which would prevent the extermination of, say, Google's influence in the world because of a violation of human rights? Or could it, could Google, what, like, what part is Google, what part is not? What part of SpaceX is Elon Musk and what part is cybernetic organism? You start getting into these philosophical quagmires, which goes back to Plato's cave thing where the people that all they saw was the cave thing. It's the yeah. same thing. It's the same right. argument. So what, what, what's happened is in the last 2,500 years, with all the technological uh, advancements that is made, we haven't advanced at all from that point philosophically. And that's the, that's, that's the major question. Can we transcend the consciousness challenges that humanity faces in the face of rapid technological advancement, my guess, not likely. In 60 years. It's a coin flip. Could be faster than that. Could be faster than that. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. But we do have evidence of superior civilizations. Like if you look at the Varana Shastras of India, just one of the, the Vedic books, the Upanishads. Mm-hmm. It's not a spiritual book. It's a flight manual. Mm-hmm. Talk about wind currents, flight speeds. It's, it's all about flight. So you look at the Gobeki temple, you look at the historical analysis of, 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 of Atlantis and Egypt and these super advanced cultures that obviously had superior technology than what we are currently led to believe. Well, what happened to them? Um, you know, in the 1800s, there was a solar flare that lit up every telegram station in the world and set them all on fire. Hmm. So if we embed into a cybernetic organism where we become dependent on the digital world, we hit a solar flare and we just cook everybody with the embedded chips. Well, what's left over? Tribesmen. Right. The meek. Oh, well, what's still on the existence? Of, there are people living a caveman like existence right now so maybe that's what this earth was designed for and we're just really far off course Mm. who knows it's hard to say but these are the things i think about in between my enzyme supplemental components (laughs) i love i love that you have laid that out so clearly and obviously your experience and travels and and study has um, lent to your perspective. And what I've been thinking about a lot lately is what is all this human optimization for? What, what, yes. Why are we doing this, right? What's Great question. The, right? What is the point of being fit, healthy, strong, sharp, rested, full of love, and maybe even, you know, um, upgrading your consciousness through meditation or shamanism or psychedelics. What is it all for? 
what what is what is the point of having a a super healthy physical body, a clear mind and an open heart down the road? And and I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Well, I think that's going to be a question that needs to be added, um, answered on a person to person basis. Mm. So I can't speak for humanity itself. And some people might say, um, I'd rather be a rock star. You know, the, the David Bowie thing is that I couldn't believe I made it to 30. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and lived far longer than he ever expected to and did all these kind of interesting things. Or you have the, um, you know, the Jimi Hendrix syndrome where everybody dies at 27 years old or about 27, 28, it's that a return thing. Yeah. They, they live crazy and die young or you have the person who is on uh, extreme levels of disability dysfunction or dependency that lives out a very hollowed out life for an extended period of time sometimes decades uh, with tremendous amounts of suffering and to a certain extent at least in the Western world, we have the opportunity to make some choices around. We have a little bit more varied of choice about what we're going to do. What's happened, I think, I think that most people would agree to be sick, to be deceased, or to be disabled versus not being in those situations. Um, the not being in those situations would be a superior way to enjoy this thing we call life. Yeah. For the most, most people would say that that's not to say that people who have compromised health, that they can't live a meaningful existence. And many of them, because of the compromisation lead a more meaningful existence than those who are the health zealots out there. Right. Okay. However, throughout time immoral, Human civilizations have sought out ways to alleviate human suffering in all of its forms, whether that was the formation of governments, the advent of using herbal concoctions, or the cultivation of spiritual beliefs that alleviates the greatest fear which underlies all of them, which is that of non-existence, death, the cessation of consciousness itself, and have sought to remedy those anxieties in order to be able to extend the present moment and the present awareness into uh, as long as possible. Now, some people would say that's uh, uh, a recipe for disaster. Then we have more deterministic thinkers, the scientific method, all the mechanic, the eighth, the um, Newtonian paradigm, atheistic, we're born, we generate consciousness from our, you know, brain, and then we die and cease to experience anything. Who would say, well, our noble duty is why not keep the show going? (laughs) Um, We have spiritual aspirants who would say, well, let's keep the show going because that gives us more time to raise our consciousness awareness so that we can transcend to the next level or whatever. 
or we have people who just enjoy health and vitality for its own sake and see that as a superior form, or we have people who want to extend the quality of their life so that they may enjoy their descendants. Because if you look from an evolutionary biology component, we want to insert our genes into the future for an extended period of time seems to be a common element within all species. Mm -hmm. The other interesting commonality is that virtually was it 99.9% .9 of the species that's ever existed on the planet uh, eventually die out. And some would say, well, they evolve into something else. And so that leaves us in the quagmire of, are we going to be the homo uh, digitalis, homo geneticis, homo spiritualis, uh, or are we going to remain homo sapien? Or are we going to be, um, which will the most likely case at some point in the future that there'll be some fusion between all of those different options will be experimented upon by different groups of people and the superior form will uh, come out on top largely in part not because of the survival of the fittest is because of the survival of that most adaptable now my business partner i think would be more on board with the transhumanist i'm more of the faith that we will that biological organisms will win out because i think this experiment has probably been run in the long distant past before much of our uh, awareness is thing if you go back to um, Sumerian texts and the origin story of humans mm -hmm. um, and the idea, and this is also echoed within the uh, traditional Ju Judeo-Christian historical aspect where uh, God is referred to Elohim, mm -hmm. which is a plural form. Sumerian, that was the Nephilim and the Anunnaki uh, and the various deviations of that story that went on through. And of course, largely in part that we were part of a, 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 a subspecies married of a genetic uh, fusion between hominoids here and an extraterrestrial race that created Homo sapien. And there certainly is a big bridge between how Homo sapiens really derived and arrived. And, you know, now we're getting all sorts of conflicting information and timelines and dates. And so to kind of answer your question circumventively, most everyone within all of those debates, no matter how radical they might seem, would say that, yeah, it's better. It's a superior quality of life, however you determine that, if you are in a healthy, vital body. And generally, if you can extend that um, as long as possible, that is probably a good thing. <laughs> so... And, and anyone who doesn't kind of follow that philosophy is just seen as almost an antithesis to normalized thinking. Not that it's wrong. It's just that would be in the lower percentage of the population. And most people would like to live healthy and live longer. And I think it does add to the quality of life. And I think it's a noble and worthy pursuit. And part of all discovery and evolution in humanity is the biochemical release, which we see as pleasure to the cultivation of new possibilities, potentials, and discoveries. It is innate within humans itself. The species of Homo sapien is able to think 
um, outside its regular zones, the abstract thought, mm-hmm. and to derive pleasure out of abstract thought and to implement technology, tools, symbolization that, in, from what our standpoint, enhance quality of life. And so I think that the pursuit of it is to enhance quality of life and to reduce suffering. And of course, our company's values, uh, biological optimization, is to end physical suffering and activate what we call biologically optimized health, taking people from sick to superhumans and see what we're capable of. And I mm. think that's a noble pursuit. Yeah, you're here. <laughs> you're here. Yeah. W- start there. Start with becoming the the best biological version of yourself that you can possibly be collectively yeah and, and see what plays out you know i i there's no way we're setting up colonies on mars that's just it's just not going to happen not the moon either what makes you think that the the amount of first of all we're not designed to survive there we can't Right. So that's the first and foremost, we, we can't, we can't make that work. Second of all, the, the notion that we are going to continue to pour increasing amounts of private money and some public money to travel interplanetarily, physically travel interplanetarily on rocket ships and setting up bases that are self-sustainable we're gonna we're gonna the sun's gonna burn us up before then you know guy is gonna wipe us uh wipe us all clear before we get there how do you know that i don't know that <laughs> i i don't i don't know that so, so should so then the pursuit of that be stopped? Interesting question. Um, I think that if you're a subsidized billionaire, uh, you can do whatever you want. You can, you can take trips anywhere. You can travel wherever you want. So I, I believe in free market capitalism. I believe in love and free will governing the cosmos. So if you want to go pour your, pour your dough into that, into that endeavor. I think that you should be, you should be, you should, it should be okay. You know? So it's not for me to say that you can't do that or you shouldn't do that, but I don't, I I cannot see a future in which that happens with some success in which now there are generations after generations born on Mars, existing on Mars without, uh, without imminent peril. I just, I, I, I just, I, I don't, I can't see, I can't see that. I, we have, well, morally, I think that we should be focusing on the dirt here. We should be allocating resources to enriching the soil, we should be allocating resources to keep this planet healthy. And this is not in a Greta Thunberg sort of like way, but in a sort of localized farms, 
you know, regenerative farmers shopping locally and supporting each other kind of way. I, I think that we've got enough. We got to first things first here, gang. <laughs> let's let's take care of the house that we're in before we start building other houses on other planets. Um, but I I I just don't I just don't see that happening. Not in fifty. Not in a hundred. Not in a thousand years. Do you? Oh, hundred percent. You think so? Yeah, and I think that it's not an either or argument. There is absolutely nothing stopping you from pursuing exactly what you allocated. And so my question is, is what are you doing specifically to do that in your own life? Yeah. Well, I moved to acreage on an island a year, just over a year ago, so that I could eat eggs from my own chickens. Yeah. um, So I could grow my own fruits and vegetables in my own garden. Yeah. We buy most if not all it's most of our produce from local farms that grow seasonally uh, i also order a bunch of stuff from amazon so that i mean i'm not it's not i'm not like that um i cultivate community in my actual physical area um supporting supporting entrepreneurs restaurant owners uh, products and services that are made close to me uh, so that I can be as organized and sustained as I can be. You know, I collect rainwater. I don't have solar panels, but, you know, I collect rainwater for the summer. I'm on a well. And that's just like baby steps, right? That's just tip of the iceberg. No, I, but I, I, th- I think that's, but that's a noble pursuit because you're, you're, you're living out your values. Yeah. And so is the crazy billionaire that wants to go to Mars. <laughs> and so the question is, whose voice carries more weight? <laughs> does, does your version of the world, should that usurp that version's world, person of the world or vice versa? I think there's always going to be the, the outliers, that gain the most attention and support, right? Uh, And when you look at the sentiment of the rocket launches that we saw a month ago or whatever, uh, it was pretty negative. You know, it was, uh, I mean, it was, it was a mixed bag, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of Bezos hate. There was a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, you know, Virgin Galactic hate, like, oh, these, you know, we're, we're barely getting by down here and these guys are taking off. And so, uh, I think that as as fun and interesting, and I grew up on sci-fi. I mean, my dad's. I mean, I I read Stranger in a Strange World in like fifth grade, and that just like, I mean, I I grokked it, and that's just part of my 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 brain now. Um, so those guys are always going to get a lot of attention, but that is the one percent of one percent. And because of the resources it takes to do that, I don't think it's ever, ever going to really, I, uh, I don't think it's ever going to really like make it into the hearts of, of people who are squeaking by, you know? One would argue that position is that, okay, so a bunch of trolls on social media 
who have time to comment about the negative aspects of billionaires who are creating value uh, according to market scale of capitalism. So every time that you order an Amazon package, you are inadvertently supporting that launch. Right. Yeah. So, so one has to actually, and this is where I think social media has disrupted actual perception in that the lens is projected out onto everyone else. Very seldom is, so the, there's, there's a, a, a moral fire hose going out on social media towards everyone else. But if the individual was actually turn that attention to oneself, Right. And would they stand up to the moral uh, high ground that they're they are professing onto that who has um, demonstrated creating value to the marketplace? Right. And the answer is very clearly no. Right. It wouldn't. Very few people. Because guess what? If they did, they wouldn't even be participating in social media. <laughs> right. Because the participation in social media is supporting those people which you are condemning, whether that's Zuckerberg or it's it's uh, Jack Dorsey, or whether it's the Google gods, Larry and Sergey and Co. Whether it is buying purchases from Amazon, um, whether it's flying on Virgin Galactic or one of the subsidiary companies, um, the reality is. No, you do vote with your dollars in a free market and your vote has been cast. Yeah. And most people don't want to actually take full accountability of that because here's the thing. They want to take up a, and you've kind of illustrated it really well. I'm not, not a condemnation because I've thought a lot about this is, is everybody wants to kind of pick and choose how much of the value that they are cool with and how much they want to discard, right? Right. And so yeah. the inconvenience in a highly technologically advanced world of taking the moral high ground to the same level that the average troll on the internet, and most people have become trolls on the internet. Yeah, right. Okay, I think the format... The format forgoes the normal consequences of condemnation in a social environment. Absolutely. And so, therefore, the consequences of um, non-agreement is, and, and the in the, um, the the microscope isn't quite as sharp when you're hiding behind your computer at eleven o'clock, uh, you know, on the government dole. Uh, because you complied to a false narrative and you're sitting there on your device that was produced and developed by the billionaire class and the investment class. And you're typing on your petroleum-based component, condemning petroleum-based products, condemning the people that you ordered your phone from and condemning the actual people who you are communicating on. So what it shows, mm. what, what very few people are able to look is, is to, to be able to clearly assess that because they're so enamored with their own opinions. Yeah. That they feel <laughs> that they, they, they should be out there. And 
And frankly, it's just noise. And I think those who produce incredible value or those who take an extreme moral high ground, which may be of more value than that of a billionaire. So is, say, the Dalai Lama creating more value in the world than Jeff Bezos? Hmm. We're going to find out. <laughs> Maybe not in our lifetime. I would say that technology devoid of ethical connections is a recipe for self-destruction. And yeah. so the invitation with the capacity to destroy life on this planet, which we do now possess since the nuclear equation, mm -hmm. certainly is, an, is, is, is ever present. And I think in the realm of the universe, these are the tests, uh, evolutionary tests that planets go. So if we can think of the planet as a living organism, mm -hmm. if we can think of the sun as a living organism, a conscious being, which many of the ancients felt that it was. Oh, yeah. And we have no evidence to suggest that it isn't. That's just a relatively new concept in the last few hundred years that it is not a conscious being. It's been a conscious being throughout most of human history. Right. So have we taken a deviation between on a thought experiment where we've taking ourselves out of the universe, which is the argument that Einstein had um, when faced with quantum ideology, because Einstein wanted a mechanistic universe that was definable without the influence of humans. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, uh, Heisenberg was like, hey, you know, sorry, buddy. Uh, the act of observation throws off the equation because we are innately part of it, all of us. The most malevolent, evil individual and the most benign humble spiritual aspirant living in a cave in the himalayas we are inseparable in the sea of energy and so i'm uh, of course i think it's important that we all advocate what we think and for me in my company i was like i'm no i'm not capable of building rocket ships i had a friend who does work for nasa and um, we were college buddies, and it was very clear that he was operating from a different cognitive capacity than myself. <laughs> and despite our wonderful friendship we had, he went on to a very illustrious uh, intellectual career, and I uh, lifted inanimate objects in multiple directions <laughs> and ended up creating a supplement company. Um, now, but I'm very proud of the contribution each and every week of the thousands of people who reach out to us and say, hey, You've made my life better, and here's how you've done it with your education, your products, your services, and the care and attention and love that is embraced by our team in interaction with other humans who care to pursue um, health. And so I think to go, to, to go full circle is I would say that I would probably be a conservative libertarian in that we want to strike the right balance between freedom and a basic oversight of control that something doesn't go horribly wrong. There's a mutual agreement that, hey, you know what? Bob's gone too far. Mary's lost it. We need to do something about this as a collective community. Yeah. Um, and I think while the consequences of that can be dire, um, 
it's been what's been used traditionally, both for the creation of society and also for the extermination of society. And I think that we are faced with that existential crisis right now. Yeah. We yeah, really yeah. are like, yeah. you know, the, the, the division that's happening. And so what I look at in the world is one of the, the, the product of almost every single field of human endeavor right now is division. It's black versus white. It's rich versus poor. It's uh, transhumanists versus humanists. It's males versus females. It's left versus right. It is uh, democracy versus centralized communist. So what I see is a definite polarity. And I think the nature of algorithms creates a false sense of what camp one's in. And if we actually really took apart our values and stuff, we'd probably find that we have far more in common than we don't. We just have a lot of variances on how we're going to get to the final objective. Yeah. And yeah. so it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult situation that we face as humans. Yeah. You know, the, the Buckminster Fuller quote around uh, designing new models. Love that. that that there more it becomes more and more prescient every single day that it's clear that we need better models we need better models of health we need better models of thought we need better models of governance like across the board education education technological management all of that stuff yeah that's you know that's the thing we we've we've scaled out Technological, technological innovation has grown so far exponentially is the ethos and philosophy of humanity itself hasn't caught on board. Hmm. We, we haven't evolved past Plato. Hard to believe. Yeah. The, the you and I are both um, concerned with better models of health and and it's it's a shame that the models for rocketry have not made their the 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 evolution of the scientific method of propulsion not not just to kind of bring those two together have not made their way into into the into into health into health optimization or medicine. Uh, and you could make the argument that this absolute mess that we're in with the division between those who got the jab, those who didn't get the jab, that same division that, that you were just speaking with. And the fact that we're still not talking about obesity and we're still not talking about how you can boost your health to make yourself more resilient, mm-hmm. uh, th- those models haven't haven't made their way into. I don't know about that. I, yeah? I think they haven't. I think that there's a lot of conversations going about it, just not in the public era, where right. not in the public digital domain, where those are being kiboshed by the technological gods who are beholden to, um, you know, investment models which are dependent on everybody taking 
one course or the other. So if we look at our health model, you know, the modern model was a, was a deviation of Pasteur's idea. And we moved into the pharmaceutical world, particularly after World War II, when we started dressing wounds and, uh, you know, people died of infection and the rise of antibiotics and which were predicted to create its own issues over time. And now we are rapidly approaching the post antibiotic world. Yeah. We're probably two decades away, mm. I would say. And antibiotics is probably one of the great explosions in human population are directly related to antibiotics. That's an undeniable fact. Now, some would argue, the pure Darwinists would say, though that was a disruption because we bred too many weak people into the system. Mm. that's one theory it's very harsh yeah right the another theory would say well we've extended the lifespan so for example uh winston churchill was given antibiotics as a young man which he was almost certain to die and that ended up uh he ended up standing up to uh the totalitarian regime of the nazi regime from taking over the whole world and the complete extermination and annihilation of large segments of the world hmm. so what was the value of antibiotics from that perspective hmm. hard to test hmm. hard to know um what i would say is that we have a very well entrenched medical model of health which is about disease care Right. Sickness care, acute care. And it's very good at that. It's very good at acute care. It's very good at you, you mean, the, the wonders of surgery today and how much that's evolved are extraordinary. It's hard to fully assess the collateral benefits and collateral damage of any technology. But I think it's safe to say in this recent events that uh, private interest and a co collusion between media, big pharma, medicine, is flying against real data and real science. And there is a suppression of people who are saying, hey, we're off the reservation here. Like we've gone a little bit sideways. We are not following legitimate scientists because the, uh, the, the pattern of scientific method is to, is to be skeptical of every conclusion throughout the process. And we've gone away from that in the yeah. current environment, which means... We've exposed, there are other motives which are driving narratives, which are leading people to make decisions that may or may not be in their best health. Now, I am an advocate for people taking whatever decision that they see is right for them. You want to get the jab? Knock yourself out. Yeah. If you don't want to get the jab, knock yourself out. I'm against making secondary citizens I'm because now you're back to an apartheid we're into yeah. medical apartheid. Okay. And, yeah. and, and, and the science, you know, for example, people talking about, Hey, you know, we'll, I can't go into all the details because we'll get your podcast canceled or get things. So I can't go into the details, but it's, it's pretty clear that the, the, the logic breaks down very quickly if you follow it. Yeah. Okay. So as a citizen, can I challenge that model? Probably not. Too much power, too much influence, too deeply embedded into our governments or tax structure of it. It's all in, right? Special interest from it's deep. Yeah. Okay. 
let's go build a better model. And what I'm advocating for is uh, exactly what Dr. Ted Achikoso is advocating for. And that is the emergence of a new model of health where we define through the metabolic uh, technology that's available today that's not taught largely within the medical community, the allopathic medical community. We use those parameters and we say, hey, you've got XYZ condition. Go through the medical model for six months. Let's see what your uh, projected lifespan is going to be and your projected quality of life. And then we'll take those people and we'll put them through another program for six months. Right. And then we'll take their projected lifespan and health span and see who wins. Right. Well, that's going to recall, that's going to force the allopathic model to level up or concede. And I think once they become clear of the data, it will obviously demonstrate that there have been advancements that have not been communicated to our best and brightest in those institutions who are often waylaid with debt and time invested, which they can't devoid themselves out of those institutions because they're in fact debt slaves, right? I mean, for whatever reason, debt to universities, which is exorbitant, especially at the higher levels, uh, cannot be exonerated if you do not, if you, if you, if you don't pay the bill, unlike a business that you can go bankrupt. Yeah. And so you have a, a, a debt slaves of our best and our brightest, our smartest, our most motivated into a system, which to speak out against would mean certain financial ruin and all the collaboration between it. And to leave that system, they're still burdened with the debt slavery. And what else are they going to do when you've spent so much time, energy in that model? It's a very difficult position. And so I'm advocating for a new model. And that new model is a health optimization institution concordant as, a, as, a, as another possibility within government regulatory capabilities, but not subject to the current medical model. Right. And we can put it for a time, a cost, and a value model. And I think within a decade, it will be very clear that we have the capability of building a superior system. And why do I believe that so confidently is because we have significant amount of evidence about one-on-one clients that we've coached over the last 20 years that you can live a better quality of life. Now, that's not to say that in an acute situation, I wouldn't want to use current allopathic model. I certainly want. Yeah. hundred percent. So I don't see them as competitive models. I see them as complementary models in a determination which way we should go. And as a founder of a health optimization company, I was very clear that we were entering into a post-antibiotic world and that we needed to cultivate um, and develop and enhance the symbiotic relationship of, of probiotics, which are essential to existence as what we call a human being. Without these guys in our maybe they're girls too. Without bacteria inside our system, we cannot get energy. We cannot build anything in our body. We are 100% dependent on this symbiotic relationship. This is not something that is talked or advocated to the level. We like, where does the human begin and where does the bacteria end? Right. You know, there's 10 times 10% 10% more bacteria than, than cells in the body. The genetic material is, is multiple full factors. Our entire energetic metabolic systems are in our, 
Our mitochondria was the fusion of an original bacteria species into the cells that creates an energy mechanism. Um, and we are rapidly depleting the available species of antibiotics at great peril to the mm. human condition. Yeah. And so I'm on a mission to change that. We have a university with PhDs in microbiome where we are doing all sorts of tests on enzymatic responses, nutritional uh, support, um, molecular docking agents, which shows what products get across, what doesn't, what bacteria will kill gram positive versus gram negative bacteria, what things actually repair and rebuild the microbiome, which Stephen Gundry just came out and said that virtually everybody in, in Harvard supported him. In fact, even though he's a Yale guy, supported him in the, in the uh, ideology that everyone's suffering from a certain amount of leaky gut in the westernized world. Yeah. And at great peril, uh, autoimmune dysfunction and a variety of other conditions, inflammatory responses, the silent killer of, and, and degeneration of quality of life and everybody. So what I can say is I'm here slagging in the mines for the last 20 years, trying to get to a place where uh, I can support and help more and more people. And guess what? The tide is turning. Yeah. The tide is turning. And so I'm very positive about that aspect of the future. And I believe that there are supporting forces in the universe for that what is noble. And in the event of my own death, um, I believe that I will simply reincarnate again and take up the cause in a future form, in a future place. You're here. You're here. I, I'm with you in that fight. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. And I, the, the listeners to this, this podcast will know the, the platform that we're building, uh, which intends to highlight the best products without the special interests, without the censorship, without the cancellation, to build a community of health optimization products, services, resources. Uh, so I'm with you. And I've been at it for just a year. Uh, but already the conversations that we've had with lots of incredible companies is that they're ready for it. They, they want to still going to spend money to sell products, still going to do, um, you know, Facebook ads and, and Google AdWords. You got to play that, but to add a, a like-minded community of people and of products and services of companies that want to optimize health, not treat sickness. Um, I'm right there next to you doing it. And, um, you know, you, you brought up Ted Achacoso. Um, you know, he and I went three hours deep and in and out of wormholes together. And, and he's right. Um, we have the technology now we yes. have the, we can do the lab work. We can yes. know what nutrients you're deplete, you're depleted in. We can understand what sort of biomarkers are working against you and will cut your life short. And so customization, individualization of your own health is everything. And I know that you're doing that with nootropics now too. And I want to keep it in the gut because that's a nice segue. The leaky gut awareness is, is huge and something that I'm still personally battling with, but we have, it has to be, uh, it has to be customized to the person too, because um, we can't rely on we just can't rely on doctors to help us 
become more vital, more healthy. They're there to help. They're, they're there to save within the realm of the information that they have. And for, you know, broken bones and cardiac events, like nothing better, but that's downstream from actual health and actual vitality that you can cultivate on your own. If you know where to look, if you know where to, where to, where to find resources and to, to open your eyes to the, the environmental factors that are around us, the, the food that we put in our face, the, the stress that we, that we undergo, that we just sort of shovel away every single day, day after day. Um, so, and I too intend, I too, I too intend to, I, I, I had, I had a moment at 28, you know, uh, as my Saturn was returning when I was in my sales job, making more money than I knew what to do with and feeling totally empty inside, um, that I was going to peel off and be an entrepreneur in wellness and a float center gave way to a podcast, gave way to coaching and now to, um, a health startup that we fully intend to usurp Google as a means to find health resources and health optimization strategies. So and when, 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 when my ticket gets called and it's my time to go, I'll be back. I'll be back again in another life, in another form, yeah. uh, ho- hopefully with the same, you know, with the same crew that, that, that I've been able to rub shoulders with in this life. And we can collaborate again and keep, keep the ball moving forward. Yeah. And I think that's a noble pursuit. And, you know, Victor Frankl wrote a great book called Man's Search for Meaning. And I think if we can find meaning in the pursuit of our life, however long, however the struggle might be or the suffering that's entailed in human incarnation, then we've at least made it worthwhile. Hmm. And if happiness and joy comes along, I think that's a great thing. And it's certainly more likely to come if you find meaning in life than without it. Right. And I think that's, you know, that's where I derive my meaning in life. And, you know, my work is an extension of an internal decision I made, which is more my spiritual pursuit, which manifests in my dharmic path in this realm. But if, you know, we, we, we try to follow through our internal guideposts, guiding lights, and, and hopefully there's an alignment with our expression in the world, because that's what I think lives creates harmony within mind, body, and spirit is my, is, is the spirit of ending physical suffering and helping humans around the world. Is that my intention? Yes. Is that expressed in my pursuit, my physical pursuit, right? Yes. And and my degree of alignment of those two things gives my peace of mind. And so that's how I see the, uh, the pursuit. Yeah. I want to go back to the gut because, you know, I think five years ago, um, not many people knew how important the gut microbiome actually is. You know, they, they, they just weren't aware of it. And the term, the term leaky gut, you know, I just don't recall seeing it. And I was, yeah. you know, I was, it just wasn't a thing. Yeah. And now everybody's got it to a certain yeah. extent, right? Yes. yes. And, and like uh, iPhones. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody's got one now. <laughs> Not that long ago, they only had one. Now, right. Right. now everybody's got it. It's cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> if only Leaky Gut were cool. Um, what the, the the product, your product, Leaky Gut Guardian, um, is super unique. Uh, yeah. And I would love to really focus in on it because I've done... I've done podcasts on the topic. It's again, it's something that's near, near and dear to my heart. Um, and it manifests in a, in a strange way for me and I'm still grappling with it, but leaky gut guardian has really helped me. Um, the effect I can tell, um, when I have, when I'm taking it regularly, in fact, I need to, I need to reorder some, um, when I'm taking it regularly, I can actually feel a settled, sense in my gut. I feel almost like a cooling happening in my gut. And so I would love for you to sort of walk everybody through the product. Uh, in fact, I have, have it here. What is leaky gut? How does it happen? And what does it lead to? Sure. And we're going to be changing the name of that to Biome Breakthrough very soon. And that's uh, as a result of some of our recent lab testing at Birch University which we have a uh, public uh, uh, and universe education uh, program going over there so that we do all our testing, we have PhDs in microbiomes and we've discovered some new things. So first and foremost, leaky gut, the definition is an increased intestinal permeability um, or intestinal hyperpermeability. And that is that things are getting into the bloodstream when they shouldn't be. And this can happen through physiology, or it can happen through damage to the tissue through substances. Um, Roundup, for example, it's a great example, um, which isn't actually an antibiotic. Hmm. You know, it's, it's designed to kill organisms. Okay, yeah. Organisms, so uh, antibiotic means anti-life, probiotic means pro-life. So people have to realize is that we have created a vast array of uh, contaminants on our food and our items in our world that is creating a, almost a 24-7 occult on, uh, on the gut. And we spend more time eating than our ancestors did because of the pr- uh, availability of food. And so that's put an ex- extra strain on how much energy we exert to digest. And so what we essentially get is tiny little holes in the gut where undigested food or food that's not been broken down properly and it's where we can utilize it permeate through and create a contaminant inside the system that our immune system has to respond. So how do, what is, so what does that feel like? Or how do we know that? Well, gas, bloating, indigestion, poor immunity, you catch everything that's going on uncontrollable weight cravings, low energy and inflammatory conditions are usually indications that you are having an inflammatory response due to your diet. So um, there was a guy, I think his name was uh, Dan Peterson from John Hopkins University, who said that a huge proportion of your immune system is actually in your GI tract. Hmm. So he published, uh, there was a study published in the Journal of Immunology that over 70% of your immunity is created in the gut. And there's another guy by the name of Dr. Marcelo Campos from Harvard. This is the one I was talking about earlier, who said Mm -hmm. that we all have some degree of leaky gut. And in fact, 
Dr. Stephen Gundry, who was on my podcast recently, shared that was the case too, and create a whole book around it, which is a best-selling book. So what we were looking at was, okay, we've seen all of these protocols and developments and ideas of people and you know, the talking about leaky gut and repair of the gut and all this. So, well, what actually works? <laughs> that was the question. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of tales around the campfire. Um, so number one, how do you fix it? Right. Which is a combination of things. You got to knock out bad guys. If it's bad bacteria that's causing our contaminant agents through a elimination diet, stop doing what's hurting you. Then you need to seal the gut. You need to kind of patch the hole, if you can imagine, right? You got to MacGyver it somehow. Mm-hmm. And then you need to build up the resistance. That is the good guys or the good probiotics that are going to fight off the contaminating agents. And then you got to make sure that you feed those soldiers on the front line of your immunity so that they can do their duty. So we tested a lot of things with our research lab and our lab in Bosnia was able to determine a couple things. There was a, there's a product called IGY max, which takes specific immunoglobulins, which are found in eggs, um, the yolks of eggs, which um, have really great functions. And I always think of, there was an old MacGyver show way back in the day. I'm dating myself with MacGyver. I'm with you. And he was out and he had a, he, he uh, blew out his radiator. And so he turned on the radiator and he broke some eggs and put the eggs in the radiator and the eggs went to the seal points and sealed the radiator so he could drive. I actually did that as a kid. I had a radiator leak and I actually did it and it worked. What? Got, got me back. Yes. Thank you, guy. That was pretty wild. But um, that's a whole other story. <laughs> so I remember this from a kid and then I was like, oh, that's interesting. So we could get this IGY Max. And, it, and fortunate enough, the guys that made IGY Max were able to determine uh, and got a patent that this worked. So I said, okay, now we have a found, now we've got a piece of the puzzle. We have the sealant. The question is, can we get the sealant? And there was lots more research and you can use all the numbers, 290% decline in gut inflammation, 95% decline in zonulin, which is released when you have inflammatory response in the gut. There's holes in it. All right. Um, there was a lot of people using collagen and glutamine. Uh, which rebuilds the biofilm. So we put collagen in one of the formulations in the, the, the non, the, the people that, you know, had bovine co- uh, collagen and stuff like that inside of one of the formulas and one of them, we don't have it. So people who don't want that, like mm-hmm. I, I don't want that for myself, but we did put that in one of the formulas because a lot of people swear by that. And there is some evidence that that helps rebuild the biofilm. The other thing, those things help, rebuild the biofilm uh, or eliminate the bio bacteria or the bad bacteria. And then we had to look at what strains are actually demonstrable to work in unison to build back the bacteria, like to build up those good guys that are going to defend the border, if you will. So we have uh, lactobacillus rhamnosus, right? That was isolated back in the eighties. Can survive 
in the environment. You can take it. It'll get into the intestines where it's supposed to. That's important. And it's really good against things like, you know, diarrhea and uh, dermatitis conditions. Because oftentimes if you have bad guts, your skin gets off. Urinary tract infections, irritable bowel syndrome has been shown clinically in all those areas. And so I think it was a Finnish study that talked about how it affects immunity. Okay. Okay. So we've got something that's provable. Then we put lactobacillus gasseri. And this inhibits inflame, inflammation and in, in, intestinal permeability, right? So another rebuilder. Then we put uh, Lactobacillus helveticus, which I feel is it should have been in the movie 300. Uh, for those who are a spark, <laughs> and I love that movie. So I think it was really great. And I think it was the Journal of Nutrition said that that particular strain helped improve immune response in the body. And then we did prebiotics. So we put inulin in there. That's uh, food for the bacteria so that it boosts the barrier up. Vitafiber and D-ribose. These were all these elements that will feed the bacteria. So what we did is we put the stuff to patch. We put the bacteria that will reduce the inflammation, help fight off the bad guys, right? And then we fed those and we put it into a lab. And we actually demonstrated it where we put these, you know, they, they put this uh, agar material and they put these zones of inhibition of various cultures and we put them in and tried the, and, and it works, mm -hmm. it works. So we have PhD scientists and they got very excited about this because they hadn't seen anything that was able to work. And at that point, because we tested it originally and at that point, the relationship between the university took a next level because the scientists there realized that here was a company that was willing to invest the time, the energy, the money, and the resources to actually have scientific proof that we were able to make a difference. And uh, since that, the partnership has expanded and we've identified a lot of other things which will be coming out over the coming years to assist in healthy humans. So the next iteration, which is biome breakthrough, will include those those added. All of those elements have that, but we feel that now that we have the legitimate proof that's not secondary, we decided to change the name of the product to biome breakthrough. So we have um, protein breakthrough, for example, is a protein product that we have, which is, I think there was 147 experiments in 17 years to get to that protein. It's a plant-based protein, hmm. um, which is fabulous. Doesn't have the, 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 doesn't have the uh, emulsifiers in it that you don't get the bloating. You don't get any of those things that happen to it. Uh, Cause that's a big issue. And most of it's why all the gums and all that sort of stuff are put into these things and you wonder why they're there is to make it consistent, but we figured out how to make it consistent, how to use all plants and how to make it taste amazing <laughs> using real food products. So that was a breakthrough. Um, we've always been into kind of uh, magnesium, putting seven different types of magnesium and specific elements in a magnesium. That was a breakthrough in magnesium delivery that superseded anything that was out there. So part of our innovation team is to, to create breakthroughs and leaky gut guardian which sounded like it would make sense 
we felt that biome breakthrough is now actually a little bit more uh, realistic because we can prove it. So, yeah. You know, in, in, the, in our, in your, in our last conversation, you mentioned that you take it straight, you know, yeah. you, with water just in the mouth. And, and so yeah. walk us through that a little bit, because I yeah, understand. Well, let, me, let me grab it. Take a shot. I'm going to show exactly what I do. Yeah. I'm all about, uh, I'm all, I'm all about just doing it. Yeah. So here's the here's the container. Yep. You kind of see it. This is this tastes like vanilla frosting. It really does. Taste, it's a very refined powder. And I just go like this. And as it's in your mouth, your mm. saliva is mixing with it. Mm -hmm. And then does that does that activate it in in any sort of way does that help with it sure. staying together and and i mean there's holes? some argument it's uh, hydrophilic which means that it works well with water um and so it tastes amazing by the way god that's good yeah uh, it really, it really does taste like if I, didn't make it, if I didn't make it i would tell people how good it, it does is. it tastes like it tastes like frosting it's it tastes it's, like frosting. it's great yeah it's vanilla frosting the ironic part is I've never eaten the chocolate because it has the bovine stuff. I'm a, I'm a vegetarian. So, but my team loves it. So I can't comment about that, but I can definitely say <laughs> the vanilla is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So now it goes into my system and that those bacteria and that culture is traveling in it. I do like to take it on an empty stomach. So I don't have a lot of HCL present. I think any probiotic um, is better that way. Although there are things that you might want to add the probiotics in a digestive components, like some people will put pizza in with their food mm -hmm. because it'll help break it down, particularly high protein stuff. So you kind of play around with it. I like it first thing in the morning. Usually I'll take it early on, get it into my body and get on with my day. It's really simple and easy. Now, some people would argue that you could mix it up in a glass and drink the formulation, but I never seem to do it. I just like throw it in my mouth and eating it. Yeah. Well, it, it, it does. It's, it, it's so, it is, it's so good that you can do that. And, and a lot, I mean, I can't imagine other products, you know, even like some colostrum products that I've taken, they say, just throw it in your mouth. It's like, well, it's not, not particularly pleasant. Same thing with our food protein breakthrough. We can eat that with a spoon. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of, um, and, and this is just my own ignorance here. A lot of, uh, sort of leaky gut repair protocols um also include like humic and fulvic acid yeah and i don't really know much about it i just know yeah. that it that it, that it's helpful can you speak to that yeah humic and fulvic acid we actually produce a product called primergen v primergen m which uses humic fulvic acid which are amazing delivery systems for vitamins and minerals we have tested that in the lab and it does seem to support most probiotics in their motility and growth rates so we've actually done those tests mm -hmm. so uh for the most part this is not a blanket statement, but uh, I would say that most of the probiotics that you are going to take, if you take it with, um, if you add fulvic and uh, humic acid vitamins, minerals, the bacteria will do well with it. They, no. they, 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 they tend to like vitamins and minerals too. Yeah. They'll produce all kinds of cool things at a better rate than before. So guess what? The back, maybe the vitamins and minerals are just are as important or more important for the bacteria as they are for ourselves. So <laughs> I'm considering this topic 
is we're not actually feeding ourselves. We have to feed the bacteria. And if we feed the bacteria well, they will feed us well. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll just drop it in here because um, now you've, you've heard specifically from Wade, you know, outlining the research that went into this to prove it in a lab and to make it just as, as, as good as it could possibly be. Uh, you can get uh, 10% off if you go to leakygutguardian.com forward slash optimal performance. And when I was at the height of my sort of symptomatic expression of leaky gut, um, brain fog, um, you know, I had skin, skin issues. Uh, when I, when I started to take it, in fact, it worked so well that my symptoms went down and then I sort of got away from it a little bit. I didn't keep taking it and it sort of crept its way back in. Um, uh, it, it had, and I just describe it as like a cooling, um, a feeling of, of cooling down of cooling inflammation. Like, you know, I started the sweater on and I started to get hot and I took it off. It's the same feeling that you get in your gut where it's like, things are calming down this, this, this from the inside out. That was a theme that we talked about in your first, in our first conversation too, was like, how do you be your best from the inside out and more and more and more, it's going to all point back to the gut and downstream from five, 10, 15, 20, 40 years of this persistent leaky gut um, is a whole smattering of issues. Uh, Epstein-Barr and, you know, huge. immune stuff. So like you might as well get going on it because you do consume foods with glyphosate on them. It's in, it's in all of us. It's in our water too. Yeah. So to protect yourself and to, and to build, to patch it up, feed, you know, get rid of the bad guys, insert the good guys and feed the good guys. Uh, it takes a process. H- how long do, how long do people usually say it takes for them to like really notice an improvement in first week? First week. Yeah. Sometimes it's within hours, but usually within the first week, you're going to notice a, uh, an improvement. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. It, it, it's important it's important to get into the details, I think. And Wade, you're obviously a master at doing this is to, to describe what is the mechanism of action, what yeah. research went into it, how does it work? Why does it work? How do we know that it works to deliver it in that way? So that again, empowering people with information and knowledge so that they can make smart, you know, purchase choices. Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate and give, that. And, and here's the here's the best part. Anybody that tries our product, and if it doesn't blow them away, if it doesn't work, it doesn't doesn't it's not the best product I ever took in that market. It didn't correct what they were hoping to correct. Let us know. We'll just give you your money back. Simple. Yeah. Try it. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll honor you. You'll put a cash outlay to try it. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, we give you all the money back that you spent. We want to make a difference. We want to meet people in the middle. And, and, and most people are happy to pay money for solutions that work. And they're unhappy if a solution, they pay money for a solution that doesn't work. So I said, okay, we'll, we'll take that off the table. I'm so confident that this will help people. Hey, if it doesn't help you, you get your money back. Mm-hmm. No harm, because I can't say that this is going to help every single person, but I can say it's gonna help a lot of people that use it. And I wanna to get to those people and, and the people I can't help 
I want to put those cash units back in their pocket so that they can find the help that they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, it's such a high level of integrity and I know it's just par for the course. It's just what you guys do. It's just how you do business. Um, but for those of us who are listening, who are skeptical, who have think that they've tried everything, um, it's reassuring to know that you're coming from that place of integrity. That's, I mean, it's, not everybody does that, but you guys do that and continue to offer that. And I think that's a huge deal. Yeah. Thank you for that. You know, it's, it's what separates the charlatans from the legitimate people. Yeah. We actually stand behind what we produce. Yeah. This isn't a white label product out of a place that's like this, this real science went into this. We have a real lab in Bosnia with real PhDs that confirm the efficacy of this. We have thousands of people around the planet who swear by it, who send us testimonials with it. And for anyone that it doesn't help, maybe it wasn't the right product. Maybe it wasn't the right, whatever. Hey, we'll give you your money back. I don't deserve it, mm. but I, but I think it's worth the shot. I think it's yeah. worth the chance. What do you got yeah. to lose? Yeah. An experiment and, and you learn, you, you know, with experimentation, you, you, you run a test and whether you produce the result that you want or the result you don't want, you've moved forward in the continuum. And for the, anyone who's been suffering for long periods of time, particularly with digestive conditions, it's very painful, very debilitating. It can be socially challenging and, 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 and depressing. Take the shot. Yeah. Awesome. Before we, before we take it home, um, also tell me a little bit about the, the nootropic uh, product. That, that's super exciting. And I, I purposefully wanted to slide it in at the end because I knew that you'd be excited to talk about it. <laughs> you know, um, I've been experimenting with cognitive enhancers for a long period of time. And um, not that long ago, about a year ago, I ran into a neurochemist um, who a close friend was raving about this person's formulations. So I uh, got on a plane and went to go see him. And I was really struck with the, the range and variability in the thought process that was put into this. And so I started experimenting with some of the offerings that this radical neurochemist had produced and the effects were significant. And so what um, Matt and I, my business partner said, we, looked at the operations, looked at where he was going, where his zone of genius was and where he was having challenges and said, hey, look, would you be interested in entering a partnership where we can put this forth to our market? And the individual had developed an array of products, like just, this is, he's a machine of creation. And so we were like, okay, well, let's create the world's first customized nootropic blend where we can offer a, a select group of the offerings that we're able to produce in a systematized format that allows people to select based on three factors, neurochemical dominance, neurochemical deficiency, and neurochemical depletion. And they're all interrelated. The big issue in the nootropic space is that everybody has a different, well, there's, you know, different dominance types of brains. So for example, Charles Poliquin would only train athletes who had a neurochemical dominance of acetylcholine or dopamine. He said, you will not become an Olympic champion if you don't. 
Okay. Some people are GABA dominant, you know, the kind of chilled out creative types. So that's what some people are acetylcholine or serotonin dominant, <clears throat> which correlate with the five Chinese elements, primary dominance. And with things like phones, dominance oftentimes lead to depletion. So people who are dopamine dominant are a little more likely to be on their phone. A lot of times they, they start burning out their dopamine receptors and become deficient and depleted in that, which leads to blah kind of life. Then you have all the various uh, neurochemical conditions. I won't go into all of them. I'm not trying to be a medical doctor here. But what we can determine is that certain formulations will bring up the levels of the neurochemicals that would allow people to function at a high level. So that day where you were on and feeling great and everything was synchronized and you were hammering, that's when you had probably the perfect levels of neurochemistry and you were doing something where you had the neurophysiological connections. So we, we can't change the neurophysiological connections that you built through prep. Like for example, you can't take nootropics and suddenly step onto the Super Bowl field and throw touchdowns. But if you had been playing football for 20 years and you were using nootropics, your ability to throw those touchdowns could be improved if you have the right nootropics. And so <clears throat> what we did is we created a customized format and offering through People will go through an online format where they will take a test and that test will reveal to our neurochemists what your most likely levels of dominance are. We send you out a package of um, nine different nootropic formulations that you test. And we have an app where you test specifically and then in combinations because it's not just one neurochemical. There's a variety of them that can be activated and developed and cultivated and, and boosted up in the system. And so basically we raise the entire neurochemical ocean in your brain to higher and higher levels, allowing you for better performance, better focus, better connectivity, better verbal fluency, and a higher quality of life through better cognition. Mm. The, and that will lead to enhanced neurogenesis, enhanced neural connectivity, and enhanced performance. And the evidence was uh, very clear with us and our executive team as we participated in uh, ourselves that we started to experience hyper growth without hyper stress mm. and that had never occurred in the company because they're usually concordant with each other anybody that's been in a fast growing business yeah and so we've been growing rapidly uh ex not just from the nootropics but from our company and so we partnered up and formalized the deal and um, Mr. Newts, our chemist came on board with our company as a product officer. We absorbed his company into the bioptimized field and called it Newtopia, uh, which is a subsidiary company. And we are continuing to offer state-of-the-art, cutting-edge, personalized, customized nootropic formulations for people who demand the highest levels of cognitive performance in their life. And we've got a who's who list of, of uh, people who are using your products and we are working diligently to expand production to meet the demands of the market because our reorder rates are crazy. Mm. Our demand is in excess of our production capabilities. We've just uh, taken over a new production facility and we're ramping up because I mean, just the cap designs where you have caps within caps within caps, like we have multiple levels of delivery. The, the level of detail and combination and delivery of these agents is far in excess of anybody out there in the market. It's not even close. It's a whole new generation. 
it was it's the equivalent of when people went from you know the razor flip phone to the iphone hmm. that is the type of gene so whatever you've heard about or tried or experimented with in nootropics nootopia is the iphone to your flip phone that you're operating from that's essentially what it is incredible yeah that 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 level of customization to be to be there now uh, is astounding because because I you know I, I believe that that uh, all of our all of our processes will be will be customized you know there will be yes. best strains for the gut there will be yeah. you know, best types of cannabis you know which terpenes are best for you all of that stuff it has to be yeah I had Len May I was talking about that your genetic stuff on that and I and I think that's where the future is going. Right now, if people work to, to, you know, for people to work with Mr. Newts directly, it's $75,000 and he's catered to the who's who, but we have uh, an afford a, a more affordable offering. It's still at the premium price level. You can have the same thing for around 400 bucks a month. So it's not inexpensive, but it's certainly a lot less expensive than 75K and you're getting, uh, I would say, an extraordinary level of performance for that. And it's more... Awesome. It, 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 pays off for it. So yeah, that, thank you for bringing that up. It's, I'm so excited about it. It's so fascinating. And to be able to dial up the cognitive capabilities, whether that's increased focus, increased connectivity, verbal fluency, concentration, you name it, it's available to you. And uh, we, we're happy to provide that to other Incredible. people. That's, it's incredible. Are you, uh, are you dopamine and acetylcholine dominant? I am. Yeah. I'm a 50, 50 guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm dopamine and, uh, and serotonin dominant. I'm a little more acetylcholine than dopamine, but it's very close. Ah. And for those who want to test, they can go take a Braverman test yeah. one shot online and do it. You can't game it. Yeah. Um, once you do it once, you're not going to be able to do it again. So yeah, it's long. Yeah. It's a long test. We do a, 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 a narrowed down version, which gives us our preliminary formulas. And then once you go through it, you give our feedback and then our team tweaks the formulation based on uh, your feedback loop. So we get most people dialed in within the first three months. Awesome. So cool. Well, this is great. Uh, you know, uh, again, I'm going to, I'm going to already get in the queue for round three, Wade, because, uh, every time that we talk, I learn so much. Um, I'm just in awe of, of how you show up in the world, you know, integrity, fluency, you bring value, you care. I mean, we, we started, we obviously started this podcast, you know, real naturally and organically and went down the rabbit hole hard, hard and fast which is awesome. And then, um, brought it back to the gut and a couple of the products, but, uh, I really appreciate what you do. The, the, the quality and effectiveness of the products that you guys, that you guys provide at Bioptimizers is it's unparalleled. And I don't, I don't, and I've seen all of it. I mean, I've seen, I've tried everything as, as by nature of what, what I do with this podcast. And, um, so thank you for, for how you be. Thank you very much. And for anyone who wants to find out more, they can also, I do give away a free course called the Awesome Health Course. And that's a foundational component. I always say that you can't supplement your way out of a bad diet or bad lifestyle, but you cannot have your best lifestyle without the right supplements. 
And so the course is designed to give you the foundational do's and don'ts based on orders of magnitude. We don't even get into supplements to like level five of the course. It's all about the foundational things that can make a difference in your life. Um, and so we do that as a service to, to, to try and sort out all the confusion and it's things that I've learned from 30 years. It's the research that I was able to leverage and condense it's five to 15 minute videos. It's available on our Bioptimizer app. And it's a great tool for anybody to educate. And so anyways, that go there, go through the links, you'll get that. And it's just part of the value that we want to give away. Whether they buy our products or not, at least they have a methodology to sort through all the confusion in the world. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Wade, thank you again. And again, I'm just going to, I'm going to reach back out to your people. Like as soon as I press uh, end the call, because I want to, I want to do it again as soon as possible. Uh, Thanks, brother. It's always a slice. Thanks for, thanks for being on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Pleased to be here anytime.